As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. Hi guys, my name's Hannah and my sister Emma Jade Pawelski was murdered when I was 15 years old. I've recently just turned 30 Her life was taken at the same age that I am now. My mum posted a Facebook post this afternoon in the cold case group regarding Emma's information. It sort of triggered something for me and I've decided to speak publicly and talk about 
the impacts that these scumbags will have on the whole family and the whole community of people that have suffered loss like this. A friend called me and said to me, like, wow, I had no idea, like, this is your sister. I remember that day. I remember seeing it on the news. Like, I had no idea this was you. You know, and I've just basically sat on the phone crying to him for 10 minutes because it brings back so much trauma and traumatic memories of seeing and picturing a beautiful woman laying in a forest, burnt, and... Um, just laying there for dead and my mother I respect my mother immensely she carried this child in her body for nine months she raised her as a single parent and to then find out that they are laying in a forest dead that pain is um, like unimaginable I'm not a mother and I can even feel her pain you know, these scumbags, they need to not be able to get away with this. And people need to be aware that you just can't go and do that stuff. We try to remember all the good things about her and all her good memories and the beautiful things that, yeah, we remember about her. But then we're always haunted by this cold case and, you know, what if it doesn't get solved? What if, you know, we die and we're never going to get the answers and we deserve to know? You become sort of numb to it sometimes because you're just so used to it and life goes on, but you have your moments where you're just like, I need to know, I need justice, uh, and we're not going to give up and, you know, hopefully our day comes, but I would like people to understand the impact of crime in general it just impacts everyone involved that are close to that person. Thank you. If you've listened this far, thank you. That's Hannah from Adelaide making a rare appearance on the Facebook page she runs with her mother called Please Help Solve the Murder of Emma Jade Powelski. There's a link in our show notes and on our Facebook page. In today's episode, we hear from Hannah and Emma's mum, Sharon McKell. We often meet great people because of this podcast who we wish we could have met under different circumstances, and none more so than Sharon. As you'll hear, she's a gorgeous woman from Adelaide who makes friends wherever she goes and keeps them forever. She's the kind of person who'd do anything for anyone, which is no doubt why she finds it so incredible that there are people in Adelaide who know what happened to her daughter, Emma. They know who did it and why, but they won't come forward and tell police. If you have any information about the death of Emma Jade Powelski, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 1800 000. This is Australian True Crime with Michelle Laurie and Emily Webb. Come with us as we go beyond the news cycle to find out how people become killers, how people become victims and what happens next. We start this episode by getting to know Sharon a little bit and hearing about her life as a young mum with Emma. I help run the Homicide Victim Support Group here in Adelaide. Uh, we haven't had any meetings for a few months because of COVID, but we are all going out to dinner tomorrow night, just meeting at a hotel. Now that hotels are, have nearly gone back to normal here in Adelaide. 
We've had uh, a cold case last week, a family that I've got to know very well. Yeah, so their mum's case of 22 years got an arrest made last Thursday. I went to court with them on Friday just to support them. I mean, it was one minute hearing just to formally charge him with their mother's murder. So when I hear that, I get more hope about Emma. And I never thought that Emma's case would just be so difficult to solve. I thought it was a straightforward case, but it hasn't turned out that way. Yeah. How many years now have you been waiting? It will be 15 at the end of November. She died on the 26th of November. Well, that's when she went missing. But when they found her body in the forest up at Mount Crawford, they estimated she'd been there about eight days. And that made sense because no one saw her after the morning of the 26th of November. And uh, she was found on the Sunday the following week. Were you a single mum? I was with her when she was like, so I had her at 19. Look, I had a fling. Her dad lives in Melbourne. We had a a one-week fling. You know what young kids do. He came to Melbourne. He's from Adelaide originally. He came to visit um, family. And I used to share a house with this sister, and I remember saying to her once, because oh, I thought he was absolutely gorgeous, oh, I just had this fling with him and I got pregnant, but he was already living with a woman in Melbourne with had his own child with her. So I never really told him he, I ha- was pregnant with Emma until he came back to Adelaide when Emma was about 18 months old to visit family again, and his sister said, I think you should go and visit Sharon. She's got your child. And he was like, what? But I just hadn't told him. That's amazing. I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want to interfere with his life in Melbourne because it was just a stupid thing that I did at at 18, you know. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. It's just a really independent thing that you did. Well, I didn't. I knew he had a partner and I shouldn't have done what I did, but anyway. Because the photo of the three of you, you and your two girls, I mean, you're just so stunning, all three of you, and I thought you were very young. It's such a beautiful. Which photo is that? Was that on my page recently? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it looks like it's um, it's a beautiful portrait. That's a, like a school photo. It was taken at her. She was in, you know, grade one or two, and we just oh. went to the school where they would, we had a family photo taken. Yeah, so Emma would have been about twenty, then twenty one. She had really long hair, but she had used to wear a fringe really short, and she had it tied back in a plait down her back. So you can't. It looks like she's got really short hair, but her hair was actually very long. And I've got a bit of a mullet, I think. I don't. You look very fashionable. It's beautiful red hair, and you just <laughs> yeah, the three of you just look gorgeous in this photo. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you definitely look very young and fashionable. And uh, I thought, God, what a spunky mum. <laughs> I'm 64 now. <laughs> I can't believe her. So Emma died a, uh, a week after my 50th birthday, which you know, not that. Yeah, it's my birthday. It's no big deal, but it was just not, you know, November used to be a great month and now, no, I mean, it's just an anniversary, but it's just, you know, it's hard because of what's happened, mm. as you can imagine, because you talk to people from families that this happens to all the time. So mm. there's 15 years between Hannah and Emma, and they've got different fathers, of course. I did marry Hannah's dad. He's an old, he was my boyfriend in primary school. Oh, <laughs> wow. Didn't we went to different high schools? Bumped into him when I was thirty-one or something at a Van Morrison concert, and he just div- had recently divorced, and we sort of somehow just got together again and ended up getting married. And we had Hannah when I was thirty-four. God, you're fabulous! You just you're so Adelaide to me. I've got a lot of friends from Adelaide. You see, a lot okay, of uh, yeah. comedians. It's a great place, right? Yeah, and you're very bohemian, Adelaide, to me. Oh, thank you. I was a real hippie when I was younger. I was into 
TM and all the different goddess stuff and all that, which I'm still interested in, but yeah, not quite as what I used to be when I was younger, probably because yeah, just life changes you a little bit. Did you live alone with Emma when she was a baby? So basically I was a single mum. We lived together in a house that I shared with friends because it was actually my grandfather's house that he'd gone into a nursing home and my father didn't want to sell it at that stage. It's sort of inner city, like near North Adelaide, which is inner city Adelaide, close Mm. to the city. And I lived like a hippie there with her and I had a few different girlfriends move in over time. I was writing to music and a few of my friends moved to Sydney and I ended up following them with Emma. She was four years old. I remember I've got photos of her at Taronga Park Zoo. And so I moved to Sydney for a, uh, about a year and just lived in a share house with two girlfriends. Then I got homesick, came back to Adelaide and ha- Emma had to start school. So I thought I'd better settle down. And then I did meet a guy when I went out one night and I ended up, me and Emma moved in with him in the city. So I was with um, him for five years. That's when I got into radio, yeah, Uh, when I was living with him. He was a marketing manager for this pizza place and they had a live show, a radio show on the back of a truck in Adelaide for 5KA and I just went to that with him one morning because he was supplying all the pizzas that were getting promoted on the breakfast (laughs) show. And I just found all the radio people I met were really, really interesting. The next week there's an ad in the paper for a studio producer (gasps) at at Radio 5KA and I was like, I'm going to go for that. (laughs) And I went for it and I got it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel like you've got a great personality for that job. Yeah. So the music director and like the big boss of the station interviewed me and they asked me to tell them a joke and I ended up telling them the punchline first. (laughs) I went, oh my gosh, because I was nervous. They just laughed. But anyway, I got the job. So I used to get up at four in the morning. Emma was only young then. She was just started school and she used to come in the studio with me and I used to get free tickets to all those, you know, concerts of all the bands that came to Australia. It was good actually. She, yeah, because when Emma did die, all the the radio station doesn't exist anymore. It became Triple M. But um, yeah, everybody was just so devastated because she'd been in the studio on and off for years as a little girl hanging around, you know. Yeah, and you get to know each other so well, don't you, and each other's kids. And, yeah. You know, you share all of their milestones and all that. I'm still in touch with all those people. I still see a lot of them. We get together and have meals and people's birthdays. So it was a great job. I loved it. So you're one of those people who collects people. That's what it seems like to me. You keep friends forever. Yeah, I have. You know, even the cold case murder that was solved last week, the arrest on that one, I went to school with Diane, one of the daughters, and I didn't meet her through the Homicide Victim Support Group. I sort of met her at Elizabeth South Primary School uh, reunion that we had a few years ago, and then I remembered her mother had been murdered and we talked about it and I talked about Emma and she said, well, I used to belong to the Homicide Victim Support Group, but she just sort of went for the first few years. But she started coming to a few functions that we have again. But I do have friends from school days still, from high school, primary school. Yeah, all my friends I've known forever. Plus I meet lots of new friends. So I'm a people person. Yeah. Let's fast forward then. What was life like around that time when Hannah was about sort of 15 years old? Was Emma still living at home with you guys? No, um, I have to explain. I don't know if you're going to put this on the podcast, but Emma had some drug issues. 
babe, that's all right. Didn't we all? Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. She, so when she lived with me when I was married to Hannah's dad mm-hmm. and then she moved out at around 18 and moved in with a couple of girlfriends in a flat and she was working, then she did a bit of travelling and she came back to Adelaide. She got a old, like a flat in an apartment at a suburb called Burnside, which is quite a trendy suburb in Adelaide. And she got a job in a video easy store that was opening or opened and she had a car and she got this job. In that time, she met up uh, with a guy that she'd done adult reentry school with because she, she left school in year uh, 11 and worked at Hungry Jacks for a couple of years and then decided nah, this is not what I want to do so she went back to school and got a year 12 and she was right into drama and she topped the school in the drama and English and yeah I was really proud of her but she just um I think when you're a kid and you're earning a bit of money because she had a part-time job oh I want to leave school I just want to work but then the reality was she wasn't really going to do it much just working at Hungry Jack's. I think she got bored. So she went back to met this boy. I won't say his name. Um, anyway, they met up at a nightclub when she was about 21. And unfortunately he was into the heroin. And before I know it, she was into it too. I had a girlfriend ring me telling me she was really worried about her and uh, Hannah's dad and I to go turn up at a flat unexpectedly on a Sunday morning just to check out what was happening. This particular guy, he saw us coming and he ran out the back door. Anyway, the long and short of it, she did had started using. Unfortunately, she was addicted fairly quickly. And she was on that road for a few years after that, trying to get off it and on it and on it. And anyway, she ended up finishing up with this guy and she came home and stayed, lived with me for about 18 months. So she went through rehab and got off heroin totally. I mean, they had to detox her. We had a lot of counselling together as mother and daughter. My dad even went to counselling for family. Yeah, so she tried very hard. She let herself go into this facility, which um, was run by a lady whose daughter had died of a heroin overdose. And unfortunately, Shay Louise's house doesn't exist anymore because their government grant ran out after a few years. It depended who's in government at the time. And they really they really helped me with Emma. So basically she lived, she got off everything. She was doing really well. Went out again to be, you know, by this stage she's like 26 or something because, Mum, I need to be independent. So she just went back to share houses and got a job at TAFE. But I think she got an admin job in Adelaide TAFE in the city. But slowly she started mixing with old friends again. No, she never got back into heroin again. That's good because, I mean, you would know much better than me. What are the stats about most people go back to rehab how many times before they really never go back again? It's four or six or something, isn't it? There, There is a stat about it. Yeah. Well, she never went back again. But it was the whole process took about a year of counselling and yeah. and her living with me and I'm having to keep an eye on her. And in that time she met this really nice girl who was a drama teacher where Hannah was doing a little just drama class for, a, you know, a hobby. And Emma and this girl, they just clicked. She's a goth and Emma was a bit of a goth. They were into sort of the cure and all that and they had their jet black hair. And Emma got into, when she was living with me, she got involved with this drama group and performed a play and just loved it and I was just so happy that her life was getting back to normal again because she was she's a very um outgoing very bright just very intelligent girl but easily led 
and did have a few issues about growing up without her father, even though she got to know him as she grew up and as an adult she went to Melbourne and visited him a few times and if he came to Adelaide he'd visit her, but she didn't have that ongoing relationship that you have with your father that's in your life every day. And I really believe that I just feel that, you know, she felt there was an issue there with that whole thing with not having a dad. I mean, I really regret it in a way. You have all these regrets as you get older and these things happen. I mean, I loved her immensely, but I was probably very young having a child at the time. You know, she was just went everywhere with me. She was like my little shadow and I dragged her to, you know, music festivals and people's houses and but I mean that's I'm sure everyone says the same thing to you that every mother is guilty feels guilty I feel guilty and I'm home with my kids all the time but I'm working all the time I'm always saying to them shush I'm working and we all have regrets we all have things that we feel bad about yeah have them I suppose you can't go back in time and you do what you think's the best I mean everyone all my friends who have known Emma all her life they said, Sharon, you were, you were a great mother. You were, you know, you did mm. everything with her. You included her in everything. You know, she grew up loving music because she sort of loved it. And she, you know, I never took, I was never into drugs. I was not a drinker. Yeah, my downfall was probably loving to go and see bands a lot and things like that. And, you know, but I had a group of girlfriends when she was younger and we always used to share the babysitting. So someone always babysat so the rest of us could go out and then the next thing it was your turn the next sort of week you know weekend yeah so well, it doesn't sound like hell to me but no. I'm sure there's any number of people who've told you this over the years yeah that... okay thanks Michelle so where are we up to sorry um so she's back out of the house now yeah. and yeah I could just slowly see things oh, I don't know she then met this guy but long and short of it, he ends up in jail because he stole something out of a policeman's boot, a gun or something, a soldier. So I think they were dabbling in stuff, but she wasn't on heroin. But I think it was probably more, you know, meth. I'm not sure. She hid things from me because she knew it would upset me. She was very good at just leading a bit of a double life, only because she loved, like everyone says, she. All her girlfriends who've contacted me since she died, people that I didn't even know or I knew of them but I didn't get because I wasn't in her life as an adult all the time. She had her own people. I just knew her long-term friends. But people say to me, you know, she just loved you so much and she just never wanted to hurt you. So, the, you know, there was just things that she just didn't tell you about because she just didn't want to hurt you. Uh, so I think basically the last year of her life, she well, she rented a place in the city, right in the city, actually, part of an old building. She had like a, a downstairs two-bedroom flat and she wasn't working. I know that. Anyway, in that time she met someone through the original boyfriend who she got into heroin with. He brought this particular man around who just got out of jail and had nowhere to go. And he said, oh, Emma will put you up because Emma used to take in stray cats and everything. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, long and short of it, she, I didn't like this person. I only met him on her birthday, but there was just something not right about him. And I can't really say much about him, but he's a suspect. Uh, yeah. But anyway, they ended up moving out of that place because they didn't. she didn't pay her rent anymore after being there for two years and paying rent. I think he was taking a lot of her money because he had her in the end working at escort agency. Mm -hmm. And when did you find that out? 
Uh, oh, probably a few months before she died. Yeah, yeah. And the people who owned that place actually turned up at a funeral. I don't know why they came to a funeral. I'd never met them. I didn't need to know them, but they were there, and I'm not sure why they were there, but anyway. They just came to tell me how much they loved her, but <laughs> I'm just sort of like, mm. <laughs> I didn't know you from a bar of soap and I'm just not sure why you, yeah, anyway, it's, I can't, I'm not sure about that. She'd left him a couple of days before she died and went and stayed with a friend of his, <laughs> like, with, and his daughter, just because she had needed somewhere to go. I wish she'd rung me but what had happened a few weeks before that she'd wanted to come and stay with me and I said she could because she'd lost the house and the city and they were just sort of sleeping on different people's homes and I told her she could come but she said can he come as well and I just said no I just when I met him I had a terrible negative feeling about him and I just didn't want him at our home so I had to protect Hannah she was at year 10 at high school and I just didn't and I wasn't with Hannah's father anymore by this, that stage we had separated. So that was another reason I didn't, it was just Hannah and I living together. And my house was always, because Emma before that used to come and spend weekends with us and things like that. But I just wasn't going to have this man at our house. And, um, yeah, she sort of, oh, you don't, you my mum. And I said, yeah, I am your mum, but I'm not his. I said, you can come, but he's not coming. Oh, you don't love me. And he ha- hangs up on me. So um, that was the last conversation we had about that was probably early November and she died three weeks later, yeah. So the day before she died, she'd rung up my dad and said that she'd left the bastard (laughs) and she was going to ring me the next day because I'd gone to a friend's 50th that night and she said, tell mum that I'll ring her tomorrow and that was the day she went missing. So I never did speak to her again. So she went missing on the 26th of November uh, 2005. The house where she was staying, she was asked to leave. So she's seen walking along Prospect Road, which is a main road just out of the city, um, with her cat and a shoulder bag quite early in the morning. Then she was sighted by another man crossing a side street on another main road, which is just off Prospect Road called Regency Road. And that's the last sighting of her about 9 o'clock on that Saturday morning. And if you see all, um, like when Channel 9 have done all cold case stuff on Emma, they've reenacted it. Like they've got a young girl walking down the road holding, because she was holding a cat. She took a cat with her. Of course she did. Um, yeah. So I just wish she'd rung me, but I didn't get a call. When her body was found eight days later, she was, they'd, she'd been bashed to death and she was burnt. And she didn't have any shoes on her feet. But when she was seen walking, somebody said she had boots on. Her cat was never found. Her bag with her phone was never found. And Mount Crawford's um, about an hour's drive from Adelaide, just into the Adelaide Hills on, from the eastern suburbs. So she was driven there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's definitely driven there. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, she was found by a guy who was uh, running through the forest with his dog. He he lived in the town closest to Mount Crawford Forest there where that side of it where she was found is a town called Williamstown. 
he lived in William Snipes, particular man, and he just used to run through the forest on a Sunday with his dog. He'd go one way in one week and the other way the second week. If he'd gone that way the first week, he would have found her, the, you know, the next day, but he didn't go running that route until the following Sunday. So she, um, yes, yeah, so he found her. So then by that stage she'd been there eight days. So, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's been really hard case to solve. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, the police have obviously talked to people, but and it's just been hard to know what happened to her after she went missing her last sighting of her that Saturday morning. Mm. Have you had people, though, contacting you and telling you what they think happened? Yeah, yes, yeah. And I pass it on to detectives, but, I mean, they, they've got a picture of things. It's just... Yeah, you know, I've had different people give me their opinions of what happened. Um, but that's not really helpful. No, it isn't for me. And I say, well, if you really believe that this is very relevant information, can you please ring? I've given the detective's phone number to a few people or, and Crime Stoppers still will take any, and it's all confidential, whatever anyone ever says to anybody, it is confidential. And there is a um, $200,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest. And I know if somebody came up with the right information, there's immunity for them too, even if somebody was the other person that drove the car or whatever up, you know, there's there'll always be immunity for anyone who gives that information. Do you remember finding out? Oh, yes, Michelle. It was... That day was my first day working in a new building in Adelaide and I left work. Um, it was a warm day, I remember that. It was um, the 5th of December and I walked and she'd been found on the 4th of December. But I um, I caught a bus home. Hannah High School was near our home where we were living and she'd come home early and she'd cooked, made a salad and was just cooking us a schnitzel each on the stove and the news that was just about to start and I was a bit hot from walking from the bus stop and she said, Mum, sit down, and she gave me a big glass of cold water. And I just sat down as the Channel 9 news started that moment and it just came on. The headlines was young woman found in forest. They didn't know who she was and they started flashing up piece uh, photos of jewellery. Oh, no. Yeah, and it was like she, Hannah, Emma had quite a lot of jewellery and um, when I just saw it, my heart sank because there was a ring that I'd only given her for her birthday in October, this little gold filigree ring with little amber stones in that I'd bought from a little jewellery shop for her in the city when she'd met me for lunch one day and we picked it out together and she just wanted a nice little ring for her birthday. And her father in Melbourne had actually sent her this lovely bracelet uh, that he got um, from Mexico when he'd gone overseas and he'd sent posted it to me and asked me to give it to her on her birthday. So that got flashed up on the TV as well. God. So my heart sank. Hannah saw it because our lounge room and kitchen was sort of in the same open area and she was standing at the stove and she saw it on the TV and we just both our hearts sank at the same time. And I rang Crime Stoppers, said I might be making a mountain out of a molehill, but my daughter has been missing. I haven't been able to contact her for a week. I've been ringing her phone, leaving her texts and my parents have been ringing. And I just sort of had to do with her lifestyle at the time that she wasn't getting back to me. And then, oh, 
someone from Major Crime rang me straight back after I spoke to the lady at Crime Stoppers and um, they, I explained to them, I, and they just said, look, we'll be there, you know, we'll be out shortly to your home. And they brought more photos of her jewellery and I recognised most of the pieces of jewellery that they had photos of. Because on the TV, I think they flashed up about four things. And then they, you know, in the photos, they had earrings and she had a little gold chain on her ankle and a couple of other rings that she wore. She liked jewellery. She used to sort of, you know, used to wear a few bangles and things like that. After the break, a chance encounter at the local shops leads to an intense confrontation. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've had to postpone our live stream event this weekend due to the latest COVID lockdown. It's now scheduled for August 8, but we're holding a Netflix party with our patrons this Saturday night. If you're not a patron yet and you'd like to hang out and watch some true crime with us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Pod. And thank you to these patrons, Switch City King, Sally Colpoise, Jessica Allen, Laura Nicholson and Casey. Coming up on Australian True Crime, an unimaginable confrontation at the shops. But first, how do you parent one child through the murder of another? Uh, well, we both went into shock and, and so did my parents and close friends. Um, Hannah, um, Hannah was okay over the shock initially, but it hit her a couple of years later. She just, her school grades started going like she was a really in year 10 she got mainly all A's at the end of the year and that was just at the end of the year when that happened but she found going to school hard the next year she she just up the school would ring me and said we've had to send Hannah home she's just dissolved in tears today and we're not you know we they, they knew what happened but they just said so we've just sent her home and we're, let, we're just letting you know. I mean I can see she's still very emotional now you know the video that she posted on Facebook's very emotional. Oh, she is. She is. Um, Emma was like her second mum, I think, because there's such an age gap. When Emma, when Hannah was born, Emma just sort of loved her, you know, totally my little sister and just having a baby in the house and even on her first birthday, Emma's holding her while she's 
got her first birthday cake with family around and I'm taking the photo. And, you know, when she's, she just used to love taking her out in a pram and just because there was such a big age gap, it was like Emma's baby a little bit. Plus, you both must have been exhausted by that stage already. Having a drug user in the family is exhausting, right? Uh, we were very uh, worn out. Hannah was a little bit angry with Emma a little bit at times because she felt that sometimes Emma would ring me and I'd just quickly rush out and go to her aid sort of thing. (laughs) I couldn't help it. When you've had to tell Emma a week earlier that she can't come home, I mean, that's heartbreaking. Oh, it was. Um, Yeah, I wanted her to come and stay with us because she was basically homeless then and staying at people's houses because this when she's with this man there the rent's not getting paid you know and she paid it on her own for two years and then all of a sudden it's not getting paid how did you find the process with the detectives did you have a good relationship I've still got a good relationship with them one of the detectives that came out that night to my house after I'd seen it on the television he's still on her case There is a new detective working on her case, like Fresh Eyes at the moment. He's just a really lovely, dedicated young detective. He's a bit younger, but he's very dedicated. So, no, I have no complaints about major crime and uh, what they've done. And I've had a lot to do with them being part of the Homicide Victim Support Group because you support other families and we have like a Christmas memorial service and all the major crime detectives come to that. The night that Emma was found, it was the... Christmas memorial service that night in a big park next to Adelaide Oval when she got found and the superintendent in charge of major crime that night was at that memorial service with it's called a candlelight vigil and he was there with some other detectives and they got a call to say that a young woman had been found uh, murdered in Mount Crawford so they all had to leave the service to go up to the to Mount Crawford. So all the remaining people at that service, they lit a candle for Emma. And then lo and behold, I joined the group a few months later. And they told me when they when they'd found out someone else had got found why the service was on, you know, they um yeah, they were all just thinking about another family has <laughs> just ha- has to go through this now, you know? And that was you. Can you tell us what you get from being part of that group, the victim support group? Um, I, I get a lot of, um, satisfaction now being able to talk to people. I've come quite a long way from then, from going from shock, grieving, being depressed, all that sort of, you know, you go through all those emotions over time and to come out the other side and I feel a lot stronger. I'm still very dedicated to this being solved just because I believe that people just can't get away with doing this taking up someone else's life and just the impact it has on everyone who loves that person. But I've become a lot stronger. So now I'm able to be in the group and families that are new to the group because someone has just been murdered recently, I can give them support, talk about your experiences, just understand where where they're at because I was there once too. And so I just think, I mean, our group is mainly women. We do have a few men that come, but the majority of people that tend to come to support groups are women. So, you know, you've got that. Women tend to help each other a lot. Um, It's not for everybody. And I had a break from it for a few months. And, I mean, we only meet once a month and you don't have to. People can come and go. But it's always there because we understand as a group what you're going through, what people are going through, and especially 
in early days. And and a lot of people, I haven't got to a trial yet, but I've been to court a couple of times and, um, you know, just even the whole court process can be so daunting. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I can't imagine. I think I would find that really frightening. So at least if you have people with you who do know what's going to happen next and that support network, I think I would really appreciate. Oh, definitely. And look, and I think this is in every, every state. We have victim contact officers who are, so we have two victim contact officers for, for homicide here in Adelaide, two women, and they've been great support to me as well. And they're always in court going with the families, you know, for the supporting them because they're there, uh, they work for major crime and they're there. They're the first port of call when, you know, something happens, a murder, a homicide happens in a family. They're with that family from basically day one. Unfortunately, when Emma died, there was no one in the position just at that time. The person who'd been doing the job had gone to another department. So I really, I didn't get that support initially, but I've been getting it from about a year after Emma died, you know, constantly from these women. So that's been good. Adelaide's a small town. Have you ever seen the the person of interest around? Yes. Confronted him. Did you? Very quietly, yes. Um, he he denied it all, of course, but he he's he's been in and out of jail. Mm. But how did that go for you? Uh, it was quite a long time ago, Michelle. It was three years after, and he'd been in jail again and had just got out. I just saw him in a shopping centre and just confronted him, but not shouting or anything. I was very quiet. I just went up to him. It was all very sudden. I wasn't expecting to see him, so... I, my heart was thumping, but I just thought, no, nope, I can't let this moment go. And I just walked up to him and said, hello, and his name. I said, hello, with his name. And and I lifted up my sunglasses and said, Sharon, this is Sharon, Emma's mum. And he just froze the look on his face. And he just went, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. And I said, I didn't say you did, but I just would like to know what happened leading up to this. And he just was really uncomfortable and hardly said anything to me and was trying to walk away and I'm just sort of following him but not shouting or anything. But he finally said, I've got to go, and he walked out. Then I just burst into tears because it was sort of all so sudden and I rang up the detective and said, look, I've just approached him and, you know, I hope I haven't done the wrong thing. But he said, no, that's okay. I mean, I told him what I'd said and he said, that's okay. And But the thing is, I'm never going to give up while I'm alive because I just, for Emma's sake as well, I mean, of course we want answers and nothing's going to bring her back. So, you know, I, I'm even to the point where I just would like to know why it happened. <laughs> even if someone doesn't go to jail, it's just like, it's just more like needing answers for why all of a sudden this happened, you know. Thank you to Sharon McKell. And if you have any information about the murder of Emma Jade Powelski, you can speak to Crime Stoppers anonymously on 1-800-333-000. Thank you to our patrons Craig Anthony, Rachel Gormley, Susan Reed, Wendy Reynolds, Danielle Diner and her daughter Sally, Alison Visser, Mark Ofmalovia, Emily Chatfield, Christy Hole, Sky Doyle, Alice Mitchell, Kimmy, Grace Benson, and Nath McCauley. Thank you for downloading Australian True Crime, made in association with the ACAST Creator Network. We'll be back next week.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.